Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter three. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, you can open up the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app, and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures right there on the screen. Wherever it is that you're watching us from, I love you, and I'm so grateful that you are part of our family. Truth. What exactly is truth? Is it relative or is it absolute? I mean, that's not just a good question. It's the question. And your eternal existence depends on whether or not you get the answer right. So what's the difference? Hmm. Uh, How do you sum up one of the most important, not just philosophical, but doctrinal questions ever asked in the introduction of a message? How about a visual or more of a mental picture? Because I I read a, a story the other day that brought a lot of clarity to the situation. The author, she wrote, I was driving with my kids recently when my son, he announced that he'd seen a black, red, and yellow bird on his side of the car. My daughter, she immediately challenged him. No, you didn't. That's not right. The bird didn't have any yellow. It was just black and red. You're wrong. My son did like young sons do. He screamed back at the top of his lungs at her. No, I'm right. The bird did have yellow. It was on his chest. Tired mom syndrome kicked in. I intervened in the conversation trying to keep the peace. Unfortunately, I gave a disingenuous response. Guys, it doesn't matter. Sometimes people see different things. Everyone can be right at the same time. Fast forward to the following week, my other daughter came running into the kitchen screaming, Mommy, Kenna hit me. Kenna walked in behind her with a casual shrug. No, I didn't. Now stop talking about it. We can both be right. Sometimes people see different things. The author said, I couldn't believe it. My lazy response from the week before had totally confused my daughter's understanding of truth. I'd given her the idea that no one is right or wrong about anything, that everyone can be right at the same time. You know, as obvious as it may seem that there are lots of things that are either true or not true, the basic understanding of truth, which incidentally is fundamental to Christianity, is under attack. Our culture wants us to believe what the author's daughter thought, that no one's right or wrong about anything, that everyone can be right at the same time. But whatever bird those kids saw, it was either number one, black, red, and yellow, in which case the boy was right, It was number two, only black and red, in which case the girl was right. Or number three, it was neither, in which case they were both wrong. But contrary to the mother's response of everyone can be right, that bird cannot be all those things at the same time. The color of that bird is an example 
of an absolute truth. To say that something is absolutely true means it's independently true for all people, even if they don't know it or recognize it to be true. Now, the opposite of absolute truth is relative truth. To say that something is relatively true means it can be true for one person, but not for another. And let me be clear, it's not that relative truth doesn't exist like some Christians want people to believe. Relative truth does exist. Like if the son had said the bird is beautiful and the daughter had replied the bird is ugly, they could have both been telling the truth because beauty is subjective. It's a matter of opinion. It's a relative truth. So just as Jesus people can't say there's no such thing as relative truth, culture can't say there's no such thing as absolute truth. But that's exactly what it's trying to do because the existence of absolute truth is a necessary foundation of Christianity. And God didn't mince words about it when it comes to our eternal destination. He said there's only one truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So just as there is absolute truth when it comes to our eternity, there are also some truths that are absolute when it comes to our lives on this earth. And those truths, they're also under attack. They don't come easy. They're hard-earned. Things like faith and humility, generosity and joy, and one I want to talk to you about today in a message we're calling Confidence versus Insecurity. Let's pray. God, we love you. We value you. You have such great worth to us, God. But even if we didn't value you, it wouldn't diminish your value. Even if we didn't consider your worth, it wouldn't devalue your worth. God, you are great. And because you're great, you're greatly to be praised. And so God, today I pray that you would breathe life into us, that you would breathe confidence into us, that you would dispel insecurity from everyone who hears or sees this message. Challenge us, change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Insecurity. We live in a world that's filled with insecurities, with the economy and security, personal health and safety, relationally and emotionally. So many of us are living our lives with so much insecurity. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that anything can happen and happen fast. One minute you're living life, the next minute you're in lockdown, insecurity. From my own personal experience, I know insecurity all too well. I come across as confident, but I am filled with insecurities about my weight, about my clothes. It's why I wear so much black. It's supposed to be slimming. It's why I have this little tick where I pull on my shirt all the time. Insecurity. Insecurity is actually why I have so many shoes. They're meant to be a distraction. I'm insecure about my hairline. My haircut used to be a choice, but now it's a necessity. And so I hate to be seen in public without a fresh cut because my hairline, it's receding. I'm insecure about my past. I'm insecure about my failures and I'm insecure about my successes. I'm insecure about coming across too successful because people might think I'm doing something wrong or that I've compromised the message for the sake of having a big church insecurity. I live my life tethered to insecurities and sometimes trapped 
in anxiety, even though the Gospel of Matthew tells us not to be anxious about our lives. And the book of Philippians tells us not to be anxious about anything. Etymologically, the word insecure means not safe. So at their core, insecure people don't feel safe. They don't feel safe about how people will treat them or talk to them, react or respond to them to their face or refer to them behind their backs. Why do you think so many teenagers are insecure? Have you ever been on social media? It's a breeding ground for insults and insecurity. And there's lots of stuff that can cause insecurity, but those things are simply symptoms. But the source of insecurity? It's in our failure to fully trust God. One of Satan's biggest weapons is doubt. He loves it when we question who we are and how we measure up to others. He wants us to feel insecure over our meaning and the purpose of our lives, where we're going, how we'll get there, and why so many other people are there while we're not. And this is a huge problem, so much so that the Book of Wisdom, the Proverbs, tells us where there's no purpose, the people will perish. And the word perish here, it comes from the Hebrew word para, which means unconstrained in the wind and blown in all directions. So God called us to live our lives in confidence, which again, doesn't come easy. But he said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He's like a tree planted by the waters that sends out its roots toward the stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes and its leaves are always green. It doesn't worry in a year of drought or cease to produce fruit. The writer of the ninth Psalm said, those who know your name trust in you because you haven't abandoned those who seek you, Lord. And so with all of that as the backdrop, with all of that in mind, I wanna give you three cures for insecurity and they all come from Proverbs 3, five and six. It's a verse that many of you know, many of you could recite. For so many of you, it's one of your life verses. So three cures to insecurity. Here's the first. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The Hebrew word for trust means to lie down on, to put your entire weight on something. Do you do that? I mean, really. Do you trust him? Do you put all your weight on him? with who you are, where you are, or what you are, with how you look or how you sound, with what you say, what you do, or what you think. The prophet Isaiah said that God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in him. From time to time, my, my son Isaiah, he'll ask me if I would do a trust fall. I don't know if you know what a trust fall is, but it's where you let yourself fall and you trust that the other person will catch you. <laughs> trust me, I've never done it. And it's not because I don't think Isaiah has the strength or the ability to catch me. It's because I don't trust that he wouldn't think it was funny to just let me fall. <laughs> but guys, God's not a teenager who thinks it's funny to watch people fall. So trust him. Put all your weight on him. Cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Here's the second cure to insecurity. Don't lean on your own understanding. And it comes back to that Hebrew definition of trust, putting all your weight on something, 
What are you leaning on? Your job? Your finances? Your own ability to maneuver or manipulate your way out of the challenges that the enemy throws at you? I mean, no matter how smart you are or educated you are, how imaginative or intuitive you are, you are limited by your own knowledge or education, aptitude or understanding. I mean, do you know how many things you think you know that you don't really know? I mean, for example, for years, I thought if you were hot, drink a hot drink and it'll cool you off. And I thought that because my brother told me that when I was a kid and my brother was the smartest person I knew. I have since learned that that's ridiculous. And so why are you leaning on? Why are you putting all your weight on your own knowledge, on your own aptitude, on your own understanding? It's creating room for insecurity. I was talking to a guy at my son's football game recently who's been battling some pretty big health issues. And he explained to me how he was, he was close to God years ago and he was actually even pretty involved in his local church. But when he started going through these very real trials, he started questioning God. He couldn't understand why God would allow it, why God would allow these problems, these trials, this sickness. He actually fought back tears and he said, how can I worship a God I can't understand? To which I responded, bro, before Jesus, I was a wreck. I was like a total piece of trash. And yet God has blessed me beyond measure. I don't understand that. So I would push back to you and say, how can I not serve a God that I don't understand? He kind of paused. He said, you know what? I've never thought about it that way. But friends, his question hits at the heart of one of life's biggest decisions. Will we believe that God is good even when life's not? Will we believe that God is good even when we don't understand? Will we trust his process and his plan even when we don't understand it? Or are we going to lean on our own understanding? I can tell you when we do that, it's totally unstable and it only creates insecurity. Here's the third cure for insecurity. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Did you hear those last two words? Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Act like he's there. Don't take him for granted. You ever try to talk to somebody and they act like you're not there? They won't look up from the TV, their book, or their phone. Isn't that demeaning? Doesn't it make you feel devalued? Guys, look up. Acknowledge him. He's talking to you. He's interested in you. He has something to say. Maybe it's important. Maybe he has something to say about your marriage or about your kids, your finances, or about your future. Maybe he has something to say about whatever it is that you're insecure about. Take your eyes off whatever it is you're preoccupied with and fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that anything can happen and happen fast. One minute you're in lockdown, but the next minute you're living life to the max, to the fullest. One minute you're drowning in insecurity, but the next you're living your life 
filled with confidence. Which would you rather be living in? I mean, Jesus' will for your life, one of his great purposes, he said, is that he has come so that you can have life and have it to the fullest. A few weeks ago, I was praying and I was praying for you. And while I was praying for you, I felt like God told me that he was going to use 2021 to redeem 2020. Where 2020 was a year that was so bad, 2021 is going to be a year that's so good. It's going to be so good in your marriages and so good with your kids, so good in your finances and so good in your faith. It's going to be so good. But for that to happen, we have to shed our insecurity and be confident. We have to shed our insecurity and trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him. And if we'll do that, he will make our paths straight. And so will you do that today? Will you shed insecurity? And will you live your life confident that he knows what he's doing and he knows where he's taking you. Will you do that today? Will you close your eyes? You know, at its core, salvation is putting your confidence in Christ. It's having faith. It's believing that he knows what he's doing and that he can change what it is that you're doing. And so here we are partway through 2021, the year that's gonna be so good. And for you, you say, for me, it's not so good. It's still so bad. Friend, I believe that the reason it's so bad is because maybe you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. You haven't received him as the savior of your life. And so today we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that. Salvation just means a rescuing, that you are confident that he can forgive the things that you've done before and he can redeem the things that you'll do going forward. And so if you want that in your life, I'm just gonna say a few lines in a prayer. And the Bible says, if you repeat those words after me and you mean them in your heart, you will be saved. You can have confidence of where you'll spend eternity. So if you need Jesus as your savior, would you say this after me? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Will you come into my life? Will you change me? Will you make me different? Will you make me new? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that, congratulations. Welcome to the family. I want the opportunity to connect with you and to communicate with you, and my friends do too. And so if you prayed that prayer, would you do us a favor and send us a message that said you decided to give your life to Jesus, and we would love the opportunity to follow up with you. Congratulations, but we're not done. Maybe you're watching this, and you say, Sean, I'm a Jesus guy, or I'm a Jesus girl, and I'm saved. I know that. I have what they call that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine but you're like me. And you'd say, Sean, I am wrestling with, I am struggling with insecurity. If that's you, can I pray for you? God, for my friends, some of whom feel small, some of whom feel insignificant, some of whom feel their lives have lack of worth. Breathe life on them, that creative life, that ruach, life of God that your Holy Spirit would come into their hearts, would encourage them, counsel them, and comfort them. 
God, I pray against insecurity and pray for confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.